Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. When gathering together for worship, it's good to minister to other people. Scripture commands us to look after the needs of those in the body. But how often do we focus on ministering to the Lord? In today's episode, Francis points us back to making what the Lord desires our highest priority, preparing ourselves for the moment we see His face, unashamedly declaring His truth, and ministering to Him with true worship. Earlier when we were reading the scriptures, someone was reading uh, from 1 Peter, I forget who it was, but in 1 Peter 4, he says, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Scripture says that everyone's been given a gift and you're to use that for the building up of the body of Christ. Um, and I've been praying for the church. We as elders have been praying for the church and just saying, God, we so want the church to be ready for when you return. And so God, how can we use our gifts to, to serve the body so that we're, we're ready when you return and that it's because we love you and we're going, God, I just want every person that, that, is, is, that calls we our church, a part of our church, I want every person just ready for that day um, I mean, in short, we want to prepare you for the most important second of your existence. The second when you see God for the first time. And I believe people grossly underestimate how shocking it's going to be when your eyes first lay hold of his and you first see this being that someone else was reading as we are reading the scriptures earlier, a, a God who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. Like, like what is that moment going to be like? Seriously, when's the last time in your life you thought about that moment? Look, this is the most important second of your life of your existence is that moment. It could be today, it could be 50 years from now, we don't know. But there's that moment when it's you and it's Him. When is the last time you thought about that second and what it's going to be like? Think about all the things you thought about this week that you cared about this week, maybe even stressed about this week, and yet when's the last time you thought about the most shocking second of your existence? And so the scripture just says, you know what, we've been given gifts to build one another up, to prepare one another for that day. I believe part of my gift is teaching. 
and opening up the word of God and declaring the word of God to you. And so I, I pray I go over these weeks, Lord, however long the Lord wants us to do these Friday nights, just to declare the word of God and to prepare you for his return, prepare you for that day when you see him face to face. As I shared last week, uh, you know, um, one of my daughters, you guys know my daughter, Ellie, She's my favorite one. She, um, she was saying, telling me how she, this January, is going to try to read through the whole Bible. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And so um, I said, I'll join you and I'll beat you. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm, I'm all the way to the book of Acts now. Like, I just, I've got to say, this is one of the most significant things I've done in my life. To read through the Bible, I'll finish tomorrow, read through the Bible in two weeks. It, I can't believe it's taken me this long to do something like this. It is life-changing. I mean that. I'm trying to think of all the things I've done in my life. Um, I mean, some of the memorization was awesome too, but I just don't know if anything's been so riveting and just like perspective changing than reading through the scriptures like that. Man, I encourage you sometimes, you can do it in just like three or four hours a day, you can get it done in two weeks. I mean, I have some friends who read the Bible out loud just from cover to cover without stopping. And it took them 70 hours, less than three days. I mean, they took turns. It'd be like if we said, hey, some of us will fall asleep at different times or whatever, but we're just going to stay in this room until we read the Bible cover to cover. And it took them three days. And so you divvy that up and you do the math and a couple hours a day and you could do it in a month. Three or four hours a day. And that's, that's reading it out loud. Okay? So there was just something so powerful about just looking at all these lives and what God's done. And then, and, then, and then when it finally got to Jesus, I'm like, wow, he sounds so much like the prophets. You just see the, the continuity of the story like never before. Like I said, I'm only at Acts, so I don't know what happens at the end yet. But uh, it, it's just like, whoa, this is so good, so refreshing. But, but one of the things that hit me as I'm, I'm reading the scriptures like this, is I'm, go, I'm looking at the way the Old Testament prophets would teach and the way that Jesus would teach. And when you're just reading everything they declare, everything that comes out of their mouths, I'm going, no one talks like this anymore. This is not what modern Bible teaching sounds like. And I'm just repenting before God because I'm going, God, I've, I've been sucked into something. I want to be like one of these guys. They're not thinking, oh, are you going to like this today? Are you going to come back next week? Is this going to draw a bigger crowd? They're not thinking about that at all. They're just saying, God, what is the truth? What are you saying? And what do you want me to declare? 
And if I'm hated, I'm hated. If I'm killed, I'm killed. And a lot of them were killed and rejected their whole lives. Jesus Himself. And I'm just going, okay, Lord, I, I want this. I want this. I want to end my life as someone who just says whatever you want Him to say and not thinking about people or numbers. See, I, I grew up in the 80s, 70s, and I got saved in the 80s. And the 80s and 90s were the years when the church was just saying, okay, what can we do to attract people? How do we do church in a way that it attracts people? We even knocked on doors and asked people, what kind of church would you be willing to go to? And we made our decisions based, and some of it wasn't bad. It's just like, well, we just want people to know the truth, so we got to just get them in so that they hear the truth. So what do they like? How long of a service will they put up with? How do we get more people attracted to the church? I don't see any hint of that in this book, that type of thinking. And, and so we're, we're going, okay, well, well, you don't want to talk about sexuality because that's offensive. And we're trying to win people, so let's not, let's just avoid, you don't want to talk about hell. You don't want to talk about eternal punishment and a judgment day. Who wants to hear about that? Say the positives. Because if we just tone it down a bit, it'll be more palatable and more people will listen to it. Except, And I'm just going, where in this book did that ever happen or ever work? It was the false prophets that were saying peace, peace, when there was no peace. And God would talk about how angry he was at those people. So as I'm reading this, I'm just going, Lord, I'll say whatever you want me to say. Please, God, I just give me the courage to say whatever you want me to say. And so I'm just in this zone right now reading this book, going... Oh man, maybe I just do this every two weeks for the rest of my life. Like, it's just so mind shifting. And I noticed that in the scriptures, like, very few people believed the prophets. Whether it was about God's promises or God's curses. There are very few people that took it literally. That's just the way it is. They would warn and warn and warn and, and, and strong words. I mean, I mean, crazy words. You know, where he says, oh, you know, if you don't listen to me, this is God speaking. He'll say, I was reading like an Ezekiel. He goes, like the most gentle woman, you know, is going to eat her son's flesh and not share it with the rest of the family. I'm like, he's just saying, boom, boom, boom. Just throwing it out there. 
This is what the Lord says. And I thought, who listens? Who listens? And, but they weren't thinking about growing a church. They were thinking, let me just declare whatever God tells me to declare. And then when it ends, it ends. But I want to, I want to be faithful saying everything that he said. That's, they were just one track mind. And that's not the way I was raised. We were taught attract people, what attracts them. And, I, and what God's been showing me is the Bible says you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And what's happening in churches everywhere now is all those same people that they attracted by what would you like? What would you like? What would you like? Now all these people are filling these churches or actually one by one they're starting to leave them, but they're all coming in with different desires and opinions. And no one's happy. Well, I think you should talk about social justice more. Well, I think everyone should wear a mask. Well, I think we should make sure everyone's vaccinated. Well, I think, and everyone's got an, and God's saying, you reap what you sow. You still want to try to please everyone? You want to attract everyone? But it was never about that. It was never supposed to be about that. It was not about creating a space that would attract people. It was creating a gathering that would attract the presence of God, where it would get his attention and go, what? There's a group of people in San Mateo, and, and they actually came to minister to me? They walked in not thinking about what they want, and they said, no, I want to come and minister to him. I just want to show up to a place and tell him how great he is. I just want to go to a place and hear his words and not someone else's. For God to go, what? They're trembling at my word? When I say love one another, they're actually doing it? I want to go and be a part of that. It's, it's about becoming a place that is attractive to him. Don't you get it? There's this God who's sitting on his throne, and it says the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the earth. He's actually looking for someone to support. He wants to know whose heart is truly dedicated to me and what I want. And so the vision of these times on Friday night is for just to remind us as a church that we're here for Him. And it's Him that we're trying to attract and go, God, we'd love for Your eyes to be upon this place. And I want to come and pour out all of my worship, all of my gifts. I want to join with all believers around the earth and say worthy is the lamb and take of his body and his blood because that is the only thing that saves me. So when we got together this week and we, we're, we're trying to plan out tonight, the only thing we're asking each other is what would he like? 
That's all we go. Okay, what do you, based on everything you're reading in Scripture, what do you think he would want us to do? And one of the words that came to us was just the declaration of his word, of truth. God says, I want people who worship me in spirit and in truth to declare his truth. There's two passages I want to look at tonight. One is in Luke verse nine, chapter 9, verse 26. I want us to meditate on this verse. Luke 9, 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my, of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory, in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Let's just meditate on that. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Think about the intensity of this verse. Could you imagine the Son of God coming down in all of His glory, the glory of the Father, the glory of the holy angels, and looking at you and being ashamed of you because you were ashamed of Him and His words? Because you lived in a generation where people mock the morality of this book. And so when you read it, you kind of shrink back too and go, oh yeah, yeah, that is kind of embarrassing that we believe this still. And Jesus is going, you're embarrassed of me? You're ashamed of my words? Why, because humans say it's different now? And so we can erase the last 6,000 years of history of followers of Yahweh that have taught the same thing for 6,000 years. When Christ returns, I don't want to be found ashamed of him. Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross for my sins. He became sin on my behalf. He died and he rose from the grave and he's coming back to judge the world. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. There is a judgment day. He is the creator, he's the ruler, he's the judge. He has every right to judge every one of us little human beings because he is God. I'm not ashamed of him. And his words, his commands, his commands lead to life. It cannot be a popularity contest. It's just about, God, if you said it, I'm going to follow it. And I don't want to be ashamed of you or of your words. I want you to contrast that passage with Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11, verse 13, it says this. These all died in faith, 
not having received the things promised, but having seen them and, and, and greeted them from afar and have acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You see that? He says, there's two groups of people. There are those who are ashamed of me and my words. And so they'll not speak my words in a world that, that rejects it. They're ashamed of me and I'll be ashamed of them when I return. But he says there's this other group of people. And these are the ones that aren't thinking about this home on this earth. They're, they believe in this heavenly. They actually believe in this promise. And they're willing to go through and suffer whatever they need to on this earth. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. Those who live by faith and live down. And what it says is, and those people, God is not ashamed to be called their God. In fact, he says, I'm making a city that is just for them. The people that are not ashamed of my word. That don't shrink back. And I'm going, okay. That's my city. That's the one I'm headed for. I've got to be one of these people. And you've got to be there with me. And so if my gift is teaching, I'm going to teach you and I'm going to beg you to go against the tide, not be ashamed of his word, and that we come together here saying, God, we honor and lift up your word. That's why when you came in during that first half hour, people are just reading Scripture after scripture after scripture. And I don't know who was here at that time, but I'm just like soaking it in, loving it, because these are God's words. And I'm tired of listening to people's opinions. There's so many opinions being thrown out, and we're a generation that wants to know what this guy's opinion is or that guy's opinion. And I'm like, I don't really care. I just want to hear the word of God. I love the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. I love his commands. I want us to be prepared. If this, there's, there's a lot of believers now that are believing that we're in the end times. And I'm one of them. That we're getting close. It just seems like that from everything I read in scripture. But while there's a lot of us that say that, how are we preparing for that? See, what, 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 do, we, what do we want God to see when he returns. He says, will I find faith? So as elders, we were um, getting serious these last few weeks. Just going, gosh, we just feel like we're missing something as a church. There's some things that are just like we've lost a step in a few areas and we've got to get it back somehow. And how do we get that church on fire and ready for his return where everyone's just like, yes, we're staying together. I mean, we love so much of what God's done. We're just going, there's something more. What is it? 
And as we're trying to figure this out, we're like, no, let's take January and let's just pray and seek the Lord. And, and there's an interesting verse in uh, Acts 13, verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Some of your Bibles say, uh, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want you to set apart these two and send them out. Answer with, okay, let's, let's do that. Let's spend January. Let's, you know, call the church to fast. However you want to fast, whenever you want to fast. Let's just fast and pray and minister to the Lord before we just sit down and write up a plan and go, well, let's try this. Let's try this. This might work. Let's just minister to him. Let's just worship him. That whole thought of ministering to the Lord is something that has just been lost. I never heard that phrase. Literally, I don't think I ever heard it in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. But recently, there's more and more people bringing this up, like ministering to the Lord. See, we got so caught up in what would attract people and what do people want and how do we minister to them. And that's not wrong. It's not wrong to minister to people. But when all you think about is the people, then this concept of ministering to the Lord just doesn't enter your mind. And pretty soon you wake up in the morning, you pray and go, God, help me with this. God, help me with this. God, help me with this. Rather than, there's Almighty God. He gave me another day. God, I just want to tell you how great you are. I just want to thank you all day long. See, in the Old Testament, in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, God, God tells that he takes one of the tribes of Israel, the Levites, and he gives them a job. In, in Deuteronomy 10.8, he says, at that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. He says, it's like if I took one group and I said, okay, these first five rows over here, because the first few rows are usually the most spiritual in a church. And, uh, and I go, okay, you guys here, okay, you guys have other duties. Go on, read some books. The rest of, but you right here, your job is I want you guys to minister to God. I want you to sing to him. I want you guys to write songs and just praise him with that. I want you to minister to him. Like he's, he's, there's a real person. See, I think sometimes we don't, we don't think about this. Like we come into a place like this and God is just this abstract idea or this being up there and we don't think about him as a real person in the room. 
just like uh, Karis. Why don't you stand up just for a second? Just for a second. Un momento. Por favor, Karis. Hi, Karis. Everyone say, okay, sit down. Okay, now everyone goes, okay, there's a real person there. And, and if I told you, hey, the goal of tonight is to make her happy because she's not happy right now. Okay, now the goal is to make her the happiest person in this room. Everyone needs to participate. Okay, that's tangible, right? You just go, okay, what could I do for Karis? I guess teenage girl money, you know, and God, let me just give you this, let me do this. And, and where she leaves, and she's just the happiest person on the earth because we all figured out a way to bless her, okay? Like if I told you that was the goal, you could see it, you could taste it, you could imagine it, it's, a, it's tangible, but somehow when we get to God, and obviously there's the invisibility factor um, that, that, that makes it harder, but that's where our faith comes in and we go, no. Just like we declared, remember when we're reading the liturgy, which I like doing that because these are the same words that people have used for hundreds of years. And so it's cool to just join with them and declare the same thing and to know, wow, this is what people are saying around the world and we're gonna use those same words. Because things I'm saying right now, they're different. They're biblical, I think, you know, and I'm going on, but there's something about that. And one of the things we, what did we say? Is the Lord with us? Is the Father with us? He is. Is the Son of God here with He is. Is the Holy Spirit in this room? He is. There's a real person in this room, God. And so when I sing, I am, I'm, 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 I'm looking at him and I'm saying this to, and I'm ministering to him. That's what the Levites did. The group, they just said, no, he's a real person. And so we're going to go up to him like we would go up to Karis, but with a lot more reverence and just go, God, I just want to keep telling you how great you are. We are here to minister to the Lord. That was the job of the Levites. And that's why they're like, if we're going to go to war, okay, you guys go, you know, get some, you know, work out, do what you need to do. But we're going to minister to the Lord because it's going to be up to him at the end whether we get victory or not. It doesn't mean some of you, you need to fight, you need to, you know, someone make some swords or whatever. But we here, we're going to keep talking to God and telling him how great he is. We're just going to keep ministering to him. This idea of ministering to the Lord. That's what was going on in Acts 13. They were ministering to the Lord, and God says, Okay, you got my attention. Here's what I want you to do. See, that's what we're trying to do this month. It's like I want to come in and I just want to minister to Him. Because the Bible says that now we are the Levites, that we are a royal priesthood. So somehow we're supposed to take on that responsibility that the Levites had where they were assigned this duty like just stare at him and keep ministering to him. And you see at the end of the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament, which I think is a very significant book, 
because it's the last book written before Christ comes. But in, in chapter 1, God is angry at the priests because they are saying things like, um, verse 12, he says, you profane it when you say the Lord's table is polluted and it's fruit and it's food is despised but you say what a weariness this is and you snort at it says the lord of hosts he, he says these priests they're they're looking and they're going oh i'm tired of this i'm bored of this man i could be out at dinner right now i could be doing this it became like this obligation and they're like ah oh, how tiresome it is and I just think that's very significant because that was before Christ came. It had been so long and they weren't ready for it. And God says, you know what? I'd rather you just shut the doors to that place. And for us, I want this to be a place where we come in prepared. We get excited, not thinking about ourselves, and I know that's hard for some of you because you've been conditioned. The church is all for you. And so tell me if you're not happy and I'll change it. Okay, and so that's what you grew up with. That's what the 80s, 90s, 2000, that's what church was all about. How can we please you? And so I'm just going, God, could we have a shift? Could we just, could this be the generation where things change back? and go, no, Lord, we've come to minister to you, and we want to please you. We want to come as a royal priesthood, like a bunch of Levites, and we're actually excited, because like Justin was saying, reading from the scriptures, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. We come here to minister to you, because at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So why will we go dig cisterns that we think will make us more happy? We know they don't. You alone. Man, and I just want God on his throne looking down and going, wow, look at them. They're not ashamed of my words. They're declaring my words. They're trembling at my words. They're obeying my word. And they came because they wanted my presence. They actually were inviting me into their church gathering. They weren't thinking about making everyone else happy. They actually came to minister to me. I want us to get better and better at that as a church. So then when Christ comes, he sees that we are not ashamed of his words. One last passage I want you to look at is 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'll just read from here because I can't read my Bible anymore. 1 Timothy 3.15. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. He says, what is the church supposed to be? He says, you're the pillar. You're the, imagine a pillar. I don't know if these are really 
These are kind of like pillars. Right? I don't build. Is that considered, is that a bearing, load, load bearing? Okay, thanks. Okay. That's, that's like a pillar, right? You know, like, like if you're going to decorate, you don't want to knock those down. You know, we go, oh, gosh, we'd have a lot more space if we got rid of those pillars. No, if you get rid of those pillars, the roof comes down. The Bible is saying that the church is the pillar that holds up the truth. Like, and, and if, 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 I, if I don't stand on this and hold it up and say everything that this book says, no one else is going to do it. It's the church's, I'm not saying I'm the only one. What I'm saying is that's the church's job. We as a church are to declare the truth of God, whether it's palatable to people or not. That's what the prophets did. That's what Jesus did. This is what God, so many people killed. They said, no, I don't care. Kill me. Cancel me. Leave me. But I was given one task. I'm part of the church. And so I'm the pillar that holds up the truth. I'm the buttress. That's a, you know, like if there's a wall, it's that support. There's just like, this wall's not coming, not on my watch. He says, that's the church. And so we thought, God, what would honor you that this would be a place where we hold up his truth? And it, what, interest, what was interesting to me um, is, remember in John 4, when it's talking about that woman that Jesus asked Jesus, like, should we worship at this mountain or should we worship at this mountain? I don't know, it just hit me today when I was reading that passage. He says, the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I don't know why it hit me so hard today. I think it's because he wanted that to be the theme here. That God is actually seeking. He says, who will worship me in spirit and in truth? And I'll be honest with you, I don't, I'm still growing in understanding what it means to worship him in spirit. I know that it, we can, I know there's a way that we can worship God with our lips when our hearts are far from him, and he hates that, just, just mindless words saying these things. I want my heart there, but he also says he's looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Not ashamed of truth, not ashamed of his words. But somehow we sing these words and we declare these truths to him. And we do it from our hearts and we do it in the spirit. And so we just want to spend some time tonight just worshiping him in spirit and truth. 
Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.